This is the Cato Daily Podcast for Tuesday, April 6, 2010. I'm Caleb Brown. The president's second attempt at a plan for stemming the tide of foreclosures, while something of an improvement, still ignores that the best way to get back to a stable housing market is to let prices rise and fall without government intervention. So says Mark Calabria, director of financial regulation studies at the Cato Institute. What was wrong with the president's original uh, plan to prevent foreclosure? Well, the original original plan, and it's certainly fair to say that the president's original plan, the HAMP, the uh, Housing Affordable Mortgage Plan, was based on the last administration's hope now. So the same assumptions that the last administration made were the same assumptions this administration made, which is people were having their homes foreclosed because they're having exploding arms, adjusting payments that are going up, or that they were somehow tricked, that they were predatory lending that was the primary driver of foreclosures. Uh, That was never the case then. Uh, The amount of actual foreclosures driven by predatory lending or arms are a very small share of it. The new plan ties benefits associated with your mortgage with whether or not you are receiving unemployment benefits. Well, to some extent, and I will say to the administration's credit, there is finally a recognition years after it was obvious that unemployment is the number one driver of foreclosures. So, you know, at least the discussion seems to be going in the right direction. What the administration largely does is give you an extra six months to continue to look for a job while they sort of kick the can down the road. Uh, You're not actually creating jobs with the program, I guess, except for bureaucrats or some people working in the back room at banks. Uh, But since you're not necessarily addressing the problem, what you are doing is allowing those payments to be pushed back because of uh, unemployment. Now, the unemployment piece of this is actually a fairly small piece in terms of the funding that's going to go into this. One of the things that was recognized over the last year or so was that you had a lot of lenders who had second loans. I mean, for instance, many people, you know, I myself, when I bought my home a number of years ago, got what's called an 80-15. You got an 80 was your first loan. You got a second loan so that you could get underneath that uh, mortgage insurance or you could get a cheaper rate on your first loan. Well, you know, if homes have gone down by about 30% nationally, which they have, if you go to foreclosure, that second loan is about worth nothing. It gets completely wiped out because, as you can see, you've gone down more than 20%, which is always the value at most. So what the administration has decided to do, because if you modify the first loan, that puts the second loan in the front, and that makes these loans have a holdup. So what the administration has decided to do is they're going to pay these essentially worthless second loans six cents on the dollar, which is not a lot in some sense, but it's a whole lot more than nothing. And this will end up probably being 10, 20, 30 billion dollars sent to lenders solely to get them to write off loans that are worthless anyhow. If people had to sell their homes, the value of that housing stock isn't destroyed, even though the price of the home has declined significantly. And if, if they're having to sell it at a price that they, at another time and place, would not uh, have to sell for, that those benefits are transferred to buyers. Certainly. And that's one of the things to keep in mind is we're all essentially talking about just transferring income around. Uh, you know, I've always thought it was sort of interesting that for some reason in Washington, housing prices are always too high or too low, but they're never right. Um, if housing becomes cheaper, which is another way of saying housing has become more affordable. You know, this is basically a transfer that allows renters, people who waited, people who are prudent to buy now at a cheaper rate than they would otherwise. Uh, And I think that's one of the real harms of some of the administration efforts to prop up the housing market. Uh, There are also harms in that propping up the market 
you know, prolongs the adjustment is we know Econ 101 is if you have an artificial price floor, you're going to get excess supply from that. Uh, and that's part of the problem. The way to clear the housing market is to let prices fall. And in that sense, they'll become more affordable. And it really is a transfer essentially from people who bought at a high price to people who didn't. Now, it's worth saying as well that only a small number of people are going to walk away solely because they're underwater. Most people are gaining a use value of their house, which is separate from an investment value. Uh, and you know, it's in many markets, it's close to what the rent is. So it certainly makes sense for them to continue living in their house, paying their bills, and enjoying the value of their house as shelter. And there is a reasonable expectation that home prices at some point will recover. There surely is, although I, I think it's certainly worth keeping in mind. We're talking a number of years. Uh, the estimates I've seen is, for instance, you know, in the Washington, D.C. area, the estimates are 2012, 2013, before you'll see any positive appreciation. And some of the worst markets like Las Vegas, the, the, the consensus is it'll be till 2020 before you see real appreciation. So that's one of the things that actually cuts across the administration's plan is that to some extent, the administration's plan is a, trying to be a bridge from one bubble to the next. And the truth is, is that it's going to be a number of years before we see health in the housing market that will bring enough speculative demand back or bring enough equity back on its own that will be an incentive for people to stay in their homes. So to some extent, we're encouraging people to stay in what will be a declining asset for at least the next six months to a year. The policies that have been pushed for so long and in some sense are continuing now seem to be contradictory. Uh, in fact, I think they're clearly contradictory. Yes. That is promoting housing affordability, yet propping up the prices of homes. It is a bit contradictory, and it's a bit sort of schizophrenic. I mean, there's a part of it is clearly the politics of playing to the fact that two thirds of the country are homeowners, and so there's that decline, and what they see is their largest single asset. But at the same time, I mean, for instance, if you're going to buy another home, you're buying and selling into the same market. So if you're going to sell your home for cheaper than you think it's worth. At the same time, you're buying that home where the new home you're buying is cheaper than what you'd be paying for it otherwise. So I do think that there is an extent to which just simply propping up house prices is a bit illusionary. Uh, it doesn't really create real wealth. I mean, certainly there's an asset value to the house and there's a use value to the house. But you know where we were in 2005 and 2006 was not the real equilibrium value of houses. So I don't think we should try to get back to that. I think that that's a massive mistake. And people who are engaged in that process of buying new homes and selling their old homes, it's not like they're not performing a social value by getting involved in that type of arbitrage. Exactly. And this has been one of the real flaws of many of the plans. For instance, we've put billions of dollars, I think about six or seven billion that we have sent out to local governments so that they can buy these homes instead. Because God forbid, speculators buy those homes. Whereas, you know, the real truth is that people will come in, many times they'll come in for in some markets for a cash deal. There are a lot of markets across the country where you can probably buy a foreclosed home for dollars $80,000. Uh, you're going to get cash buyers that will come into that. Many of these people will put uh, sweat equity, they'll rebuild the house, and you know they're more often than not do a better job than a local city government will do in terms of rebuilding that house uh, and in terms of getting somebody in that house of living. There is sort of this 
bias against that somehow you're an absentee landlord if you buy a house and you fix it and you rent it to somebody. You know, I would call that that you're actually providing affordable housing. Uh, but since the the viewpoint of Washington is unless the government's actually providing affordable housing, then it's not actually a social good. Uh, you know, housing is one of those things where people will provide that uh, if the market kind of allows it and that the demand is there for it. So there is a demand in a lot of markets, such as California. There are people there who want to buy houses. The prices are just simply still too high for them to buy it. And I, I will note, that's very different from the Detroit, Cleveland, Buffaloes of the world, where the population losses are just such that uh, there's not a lot you can do about the housing market in those cities. Mark Calabria is Director of Financial Regulation Studies at the Cato Institute. You can read more of his work or watch his TV appearances at Cato.org.